Aren't you thankful for the choir's leadership and worship this morning? Amen. You know, one of the things I love about our choir is they don't want your praise. They want to come prepared to praise the Lord. Amen? You know, you have an opportunity to do the same thing. It just doesn't happen. We need to prepare our hearts to be ready to worship the Lord. And so when you come in on Sunday morning, talk to people. Don't feel like you can't talk. Greet them in the name of the Lord. Now, if you want to greet them in the name of something else, and do that somewhere else. But greet them in the name of the Lord and, and prepare your heart to worship. Amen? Amen. Grab your Bibles and, uh, if you'd like, your teaching outline. Today, uh, we are finishing a series we've been in for the last four or five weeks entitled, First, What You Do First Impacts the Rest. As you're getting your notes and Bible together, I want to take a moment of personal privilege to thank you for praying for me. Uh, today is our last day of a journey that Carrie and I have been on together for a fast, and I want to thank you for your prayers. Uh, God has been so faithful in not only giving us strength, but uh, uh, answering specific prayers of clarification in our individual lives and our family and then direction for the church. And I just want to praise you for that. It's been a blessing uh, to be able to pray for you. Uh, and as I've shared with some of you, if you don't have your picture in the directory, I've gotten real good at praying for that stick figure guy that's like everybody. And uh, so uh, I, that's a little plug. Next time we have pictures in the directory, Put yours in there. I want to pray for your face, not just your name. But uh, it's been good uh, praying for you. Thank you for uh, allowing me to partner with you in those requests. As we continue on this morning, uh, if this is your first time here in this series, I need to give you an apology up front. You may be drinking from a fire hose today, but uh, just get all wet and just take in what you can. That's okay. Uh, but those of us who've been here over the last four or five weeks, uh, we're going to saturate ourselves in, in, in a summary or review of what God's been teaching us. Uh, four weeks ago, we asked the question, who is number one? Who is first in your life? Uh, now, I want you to think about it. The question has been posed for a few weeks. Now, I want you to think about answering that. Who is really first in your life? I don't mean, do you believe in God or are you a Christian? But what do your actions tell you about who is first in your life? And jot this thought down. God gave Jesus in faith that we would give our lives to him. God didn't wait to see if we would straighten up and then give us Jesus. No, he first gave Jesus to us. And so this morning as we're going to be talking about how God is calling us to, to give first, to put first things first, and recognize that what we do first impacts the rest, God started all this first stuff. God first gave first. He gave his son Jesus, his only son, his best, his first to us before he had any guarantee that you would trust in him. Any guarantee that you would accept the free gift. He took that upon himself and he set an example for us. So catch this. This is not a God who's up in heaven with a lightning bolt ready to just zap you because he wants to catch you doing something bad and, and I told you to put me first. He laid down his life in his son Jesus and put himself out and gave to us first. He modeled that for us. Now, now the next key thing that we've got to catch is in this passage of Scripture, Exodus twenty-three nineteen, The first of the fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. All throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are taught about first fruits giving to God, saying, God... 
of the first portion of my income, the first portion of everything that I have, everything that's been entrusted to me, I give it to you. This is first fruits giving. This is tithing. Why? God is zeroing in on this first aspect. Because he knows the truth. He knows us better than anyone else. What you and I do first in every arena of our life will impact everything else. What you choose to do first will impact everything else. See, God will never be second. He'll only be first. Now, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you do. God will never be second. He will only be first. Now, now we need to catch this because sometimes uh, we could get this wrong. This is not saying that you can't get your priorities screwed up, that God will always be first in your priorities. No, you can put God at third or fourth or fifth or tenth or 107th on your priority list, but your lack of prioritizing God doesn't affect God at all. He is still first, whether you like it or not. Now, it's just like if I would stand right here and put both my toes on the edge of the stage, and I'm going to do a standing long jump. Marcus, stand up for me. Stand up real tall. Marcus, I want you to catch me, okay? And I'm going to leap, and I think I can make it into your arms. Now, I, I can believe with, no, no, don't, don't sit down. I'm going to leap in your arms. I believe with all of my heart that, that I could make it to, to Marcus's arms. Now, now, maybe there's some Olympian that could do this, but, but I, I don't know. But if I believe it, it doesn't change anything that when I leap from here, all hundred pounds of me will smack down on the altar, and then the other half of me will fall over. It, it doesn't matter what I believe. The fact is, gravity and my lack there of muscle will not allow me to get to Marcus. Okay, you can have a seat. And that just seems absurd, but we live this way. Well, you know what? That's good for you, Pastor Brady. You believe, you know, the Bible to be uh, all authority and supreme, and, but I'm just not so sure I'm there yet. I'm not so sure I buy into this principle. Friend, I love you. I appreciate your opinion. It doesn't matter if you buy into it or not. It's, it's the law of who God is. God is first. Amen? And so we need to understand that God cannot be second. He can only be first. No wonder he rejects it when we try to do anything other than that. Next, God is first, whether you put him first or not. Whether you choose to allow God to be first, he will be first. And he, you won't break him. It will end up breaking you. He won't choose to break you. But when you try to live a way other than the way God has created the universe and who, his, who he is, it will mess you up. Who is first in your life? Now, a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, we talked about these categories that God is calling us to put him first in. God gets specific in his word. And he wants us to put him first in the category of time. Now, this is one of my favorite because we all are given the same amount of time. Now, we may not all live here on earth at the same amount of time, but God has given us the same hours and every single day. All of us get 24 hours a day. Now, you may not be able to choose what goes on your plate, but you can choose if you allow God to be first and how you use your time at work, at home, as a parent, at school, wherever you're at. Now, when I borrowed this clock from one of our Sunday school rooms without permission today, I'm sure I'm going to get yelled at by, by somebody. But uh, on this clock, it was very fitting that this was given to the church, apparently, because the name across the bottom is one of our local funeral homes. And I thought, how cool is this? That What a reminder that all the time we have here on earth, it is 100%, unless Jesus comes first, everybody in this room will die. 
you're dismissed. Be encouraged. (laughs) Everybody will have their life on this earth end. Unless Jesus comes first, that's going to happen. And so how we use our time is very important. Jot that down in your notes. Life is short. We talked about this three weeks ago. Listen to Psalm 90, verse 12. The NIV puts it this way. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I like the New Living Translation. It gives us another uh, light that's shed on this. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Life is short. Leads us to the fact that time can be wasted. It's not life is short, so just do whatever. It's not going to work. No, you can waste your time. Listen, God is very clear in Ephesians 5, 14 through 17. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. It's given us an idea that you may Choose not to make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See, don't waste your time. Time can be wasted. We are to make the most of every opportunity. What opportunity hits you today that you could make the most of your time? Don't waste it. Don't be foolish and miss it. Well, miss what? Well, understand what the Lord's will is in your life. God is telling us that for our time here, we need to invest it and we need to make sure we know, God, what is it that you have for me? What do you want in my life? We begin to see that we can invest our time in three ways. Now I'm going to speed up my talker. I need you to speed up your listener, okay? Now you may think I'm talking too fast, but remember I told you to speed up your listener. So maybe you're listening too slow. So in rapid fire, we're going to hit a number of these. We find in Philippians 2, in these number of verses, three ways. Now, now this scripture is not just talking about how to use your time. It's talking about how to, to live for God. But when we do that, it helps us understand how to use our time and what can happen there. One, we are to work out our salvation. What are you talking about, Brady? Philippians 2, 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in the present... But now, much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I got it. So I invest my time putting God first by just working my salvation. I'm going to keep my calendar clear and I'm going to use my time. Get away, that's a distraction. I'm just going to do everything myself. Praise God. No. Read on. For it is God who works in you. What does he do? To will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Work out your salvation. This has nothing to do with your effort. It has everything to do with you cooperating with God. Because it's God who works in you. So work with God. Get out of the way. Let him lead your time. Cooperate with him. And you will work out your salvation. It does something for you. But we can also invest our time. Let's read on in verse 14 through 15. It talks about shining out a testimony. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. Could it be? 
that the way you invest your time without grumbling, without complaining, without seeking yourself first, but putting God first in your time, that there is somebody you would witness to and you would shine out the light of Jesus by putting him first. This passage is suggesting that this can happen. And finally, in verse 16, we are to hold on to the word of life. Then you will shine among them like the stars of the sky. How? As you hold firmly to the word of life, the written word, the Bible, and the living word, Jesus. How closely do you cling to Jesus? Are you investing your time to get as close to Jesus as you can? Or is that just kind of an afterthought? How you use your time will show who's first in your life. How you use your time will impact the rest of eternity. We saw two weeks ago, not only does God call us to put him first in our time, but he's given everybody gifts and talents. Now, this is one of my favorites. God doesn't always give everybody the same gifts or talents or proportion of that, but he's given everybody in this room something. Your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your work, he's given it to you. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11, if you want to turn there with me. This gives us a great understanding on how we are to live for God. Again, it's not just talking about spiritual gifts. It's actually teaching us how to live for God. But out of this, we can see what should happen with the gifts and the talents and and the abilities and work that God has given to us. Listen, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself. And do you remember this from two weeks ago? Arm yourself with power. No. Arm yourself with With authority, no. Arm yourself with a spotless record, no. Arm yourself with the attitude of Jesus. What good is an attitude? The attitude of Jesus changes everything. When you begin to have the attitude of Jesus, how you use and invest the gifts and talents and ability and work, it changes the whole thing. Friend, some of us, we talk about putting God first in our money or in our time, but when it comes to our gifts and talents, we think it's just that. It's ours. And we get all offended because somebody didn't recognize us the way we thought they should. All offended because we weren't utilized the way we think we should be utilized. All offended because it didn't get received the way we hope it get received. Guess what? It's not about you or what you think you can do. It's about God doing something through you. And with the attitude of Jesus, you be obedient You let him use those gifts, and whatever happens, happens. There's freedom in that. We sing about love being above everything else. Is love saturating your gifts, your talent, your ability, your work? Or is it pride? Or is it a get-even spirit? Is it a judgmental or jealous attitude? The attitude of Jesus would say, oh. You first. Let me give you the credit. Let me make you a hero. Let me find a way to to serve you. Well, this is the attitude of Christ, and why should that happen? Let's read on. Because he who suffered in his body is done with sin. Jot down in your notes. As a result, don't live your life for evil human desires, but for the will of God. It goes on to tell us, haven't you lived for the things of the world long enough? Live for God. Now, don't miss this. The passage continues to read. Read it on later today. It warns us. When you have the attitude of Jesus, expect that people will think you are strange. I know some of you are just strange, just strange, and that's okay. But I don't know where we get this idea. 
if you have the mind of Christ, if you have the attitude of Christ, the world will not always accept that. In fact, more often than not, they will reject it. If you are living to make sure everybody is pleased around you, you will have a very hard time living with the attitude of Jesus. Because when God is first in your time, it will affect everything else. When God is first in your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your work, there will be people who look at you and go, what are you doing? That's your weekend. You're doing what? That's off the clock hours. You're doing what? You could have built this extra. You're giving it away. Why? What are you doing? You're strange. And you can smile and say, thank you. But this isn't a call to be unnecessarily weird and obtuse. you got enough idiosyncrasies yourself to do that. But don't expect the world to embrace the attitude of Jesus. Nowhere in Scripture does it tell us to do that. In fact, it tells us all over the place, expect resistance. And then be clear-minded and self-controlled. Why? So you can pray. I love this. Why would I need to pray and all these things that I'm doing to invest my gifts and talent? Because if we don't pray, we lose the mind, the attitude of Christ. Now this is so cool, it's so simple. Brady, I want to have the attitude of Jesus, but it's so complicated. No, it's not. Ask for it. Pray. God will give you the attitude of Jesus, and when something comes up that's not the attitude of Jesus, he'll go... That's not right. What happens is, people say, I want the attitude of Jesus. And God goes, great, here you go. And says, that's not it. You go, hey, hey, leave me alone. That's my business. Well, now you no longer want the attitude of Jesus. Do you want the attitude of Jesus or not? God will displace. He will pour into you the Spirit and will get out the other stuff that's not of Jesus. John 3.30 will become part of who you are. He must increase. God must get bigger in your life, increase, and you must decrease to make room for him. You need to have the attitude of Jesus. Then what else happens? Above all, love each other deeply. Ready? I thought you were talking about gifts and talents. I am. When God is first, it's no longer about you and what you can do and how you can do it and what you can earn and how people can see you on some kind of a corporate ladder or respect you. It's not about what you can't do and what you haven't earned and what you don't think you're good at and how bad you are. No, it's not about you at all. It's about God choosing to work through you. And above all else, he gives you love for someone else. How do you know when a spiritual gift or a gift or a talent is going awry? As soon as it's no longer laced with love. Get very suspicious of yourself. When things start growing on you, they don't smell like love, you go back to Jesus and pray. Give me a clear mind. Chisel that off of me. It doesn't seem like your attitude. This is how we invest ourselves in our time and in our gifts. Offer hospitality without one, to one another without grumbling. That's my favorite. So reach out to someone with your gifts and don't complain about it. Use whatever gifts you have to serve. Now, I know I'm going fast. We'll get there. Expect people to think you're strange. Be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then finally, use whatever gifts you have to serve. Your gifts, your talents, your ability, your work, are you serving somebody beside yourself? Now, before you say yes... Stop and give yourself an example. If you have a job, this last week at your job, what you do best, did you use that to serve somebody beside yourself? 
You can honor God in your gifts by putting him first in that area. And finally, this is my favorite. We get to administer God's grace. God has given us things that we don't deserve. Grace, that favor, that gift that's undeserved to us. And now he says, when you serve others, you get to be a conduit and you get to be a grace giver, an administrator of grace. But church, we miss it so often. When's the last time you saw somebody who did not deserve a thing, anything, anything, and you said, I'm going to give you everything. You know what usually rises up in us? I'm going to tell them they don't deserve it. I need to remind them they don't deserve it. You know, some of it is a human nature. But the sanctified life, remember, the uh, unsanctified and the sanctified, the the, the person who's not spirit-filled and the person who's spirit-filled, when they're under the same pressure, sometimes they respond the same way, but the spirit-filled believer goes back and makes it right. Go back and say, you know what? I missed it. I blew it. I hollered at you and... Don't say this in your mind. Maybe they deserved it. I hollered at you and I didn't want to. Give them grace. With the attitude of Jesus, this can happen. That's why you've been given gifts, talents, abilities, and your work. If you speak, do it as one speaking the very words of God. If you serve, do it with the strength that God provides. And finally, God's called us to put him first in our money or our treasure. God has given all of us the ability to earn, to gain something. Some, as we talked about last week, get more fries than other. But we've all been given something, and it's all God's. And friend, whatever you store in the treasure part of your life, this is where the rubber meets the road. What you spend your money on tells you what's first in your life. I'm not trying to get up in your business. I'm just trying to tell you what God's Word says. I don't need to look at it. You look at it. You look at your own checkbook ledger, your own online bank statement. You begin to see, what are you investing in? God says, I want to be first in every arena, not just in time, not just in talent or gifts, and not just in your treasure or your money, but in every area. You know, it baffles me sometimes when when some people have a hard time worshiping God. I wonder if we have a hard time letting go in worship because there is one arena or one circle that we put God first in. But there's other arenas or circles in our life that we say, God, I believe in you, I trust you, I'm your kid, but I got it. We never really worship until we say, no, God, you got everything. Has it ever dawned on you? How many times have you got to sing about Jesus dying on the cross? I understand that. I've been there. Until you understand that without Jesus dying on the cross, every circle of your life is messed up and lost, then it's not going to move you. But when you begin to see, you know what? My money's messed up. My talents and gifts are messed up. My time is messed up. My family's messed up. And some of us need to understand that even though I'm a clean, cut, good, law-abiding person, we are lost going to hell without Jesus. All have sinned and fallen short of his standard. Making the most of our money. Malachi 3, 6 through 10 says this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says God. But how? How are we to return to you? 
Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me, the Lord says? But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, God says. And see if I don't throw open the floodgates and pour out so much blessing that you cannot store it. See, God gave an accusation that can't be denied. The the children of God, the people of God, were robbing Him. How? Of tithes and offerings. He set this principle. Put me first. Give the first to me. Then there's this commandment that we can't ignore. Last week we heard about how every believer is expected to tithe. This isn't just some spiritual giant. This isn't some place that I work up to. In fact, Scripture, Old and New Testament, talk about tithing as the beginning place. Not the goal to get to. Church, I love you. I'm not just trying to pound on your toes because I want to be mean. I'm not doing my part if I don't give all of God's word. It's the starting place. And we give over and above on that. This is not, if, if you're new to Grace Point, hear me. This is not Grace Point wanting something from you. This is Grace Point wanting something for you. This is not God wanting your money. He doesn't need your money. But you and I need to give to him. And we're going to talk about why in just a moment. Every believer is called to tithe. What is a tithe? The first 10% of all of our earnings is a tithe. And finally, the tithe is to be brought into the local storehouse. Scholars agree that the storehouse is the local church, the place you worship where you're fed spiritually. If you're visiting today and this is not your local church, please don't tithe here. It's not that we couldn't put it to good work. God tells us to tithe to where you are fed spiritually on a regular basis. Now, God says, test me in this. In essence, try it, and you'll like it. That's where we've been for the last four or five weeks. And I believe God is calling us to zero in on that in a little bit different way today. So I, I want to challenge us to think of an uh, illustration that helps me a little bit. If I've told you, i got a simple mind. When it comes to our resources, our time, our talent or gifting or abilities, or even our treasure, our money. God has given us everything we have, the whole pie. This is pretty dangerous, me holding this pie, not eating in a while, but we'll make it through. God has given us the whole thing. But here's what happens, most of us, God-fearing Christians, we, we try to figure out a way to do this, and we say, okay, uh, this is great, God, thanks for the pie, but uh, I've got some good bills going on here, and I, you know, I've got my mortgage, or my housing, my rent, and uh, this is going to be a pretty good slice of the pie. Uh, it, it just costs a lot to have a house, and the good news is I got a good, good rate on my mortgage, and it's a pretty low interest rate, so that's, that's kind of good, but, but God, I'm going to give, you know, to those who I owe, and so here's here's my housing and my utilities and water and and all that kind of stuff. So that's that's good. You know, this is this is great. But you know, I also how can I live without a car? I, I gotta get places, gotta have a job, and so I've got a car payment, and and you know, this is also sometimes a pretty good slice of of my my pie here. And but you know, I really do look good in that car, so it kind of makes it worth it. Uh, that, that, that's a good thing. And so I, I just divvy out here. This is for the car or cars and get them a piece. And, you know, who can go and not shop a little bit? You know, whether you shop at Cabela's or you shop at the mall, I mean, you got to shop a little bit. And so there's a little bit of credit cards that I, I need to pay and, and kind of, you know, just pay some of that here. And so I 
make sure I get them what, what they need. They get kind of mad if you don't do that. And so get, get that to them here and, and, and put this here. And I got to give them the interest. If you don't give them interest, they, they kind of get upset about that and make sure they get the interest. And then, you know, uh, God has blessed us and, and many of you with kids. And they're awesome. They're expensive. They cost so much, and not just like food and shelter and clothes, but, you know, you want them to have experiences and, and, and play sports and, and go to dance and do uh, piano lessons and ballet and all these other things. And, and many of you who are four or five steps ahead of me can say, just hang on until college comes. So, I, you know, you got to give, you know, things to your kids. I mean, who wants them not to have the things that they want? And you got to have them get experiences, so we divvy out some for our kids, and that's a good thing. I mean, God gave them to us, so... Should take care of them there, and that's that's kind of good. And then the other things we just can't live without. You know, it's like cable. I mean, really, it's like what year do we live in? We got to have cable, cell phone, internet. I mean, these aren't bad things. Nowhere is it bad. We just you know just got to pay for it. Got to stay in touch. Can't be relevant without being in touch. We got to do that. And so you know, pay the cable and had a little bit of cell phone overage with minutes. And that's a wonderful thing. And we do that and. There's been a lot of work slicing up this pie. I'm the one who worked for this. And you know, we all just need to splurge on ourselves every now and then. So just put some down here for me. Whether it's a hobby or fashion or whatever. Oh, wait. I forgot to give something to God. Well, I can see if I can scrape something up here. Just, God, sorry they're leftovers, but... You know, I'll give. You know, if I just portion this out, give this on the first month and the second month, it's the third. I'm giving every week. This is good. God, look, I just gave you leftovers and put it in nice four equal pieces. God, aren't, aren't you proud? This isn't about that God needs pie. He gave the whole pie. But when we live this way, friends, we will never get the benefit of putting God first, whether it's in our money and our time or in our gifts and abilities. But if we live by God's principle of tithing and giving to him first, and we say, God, right when I get the pie that you've given to me, I'm going to take a tithe. And proportionally, it's so small, it's kind of hard for me to even divvy up a slice that is a tenth. But God, right out of the chute, I want to give you what's yours. I'm going to put it right there. I want to honor you with that, God. God, here's my tithe. The cool thing is, the 90% that God entrusts to us to invest in these other ways, when it is blessed by God over and over, talk to people who follow God for a long time, it goes so much farther, the 90%, than when we use the 100% that's not blessed by God. See, God uses the tithe to teach us to organize our life around Him. And everything else now has to find its place, and he teaches us discipline and, and prioritizing and all other kind of things when we put him first. It's an amazing principle that God gives us. Not only does he teach us with tithing to put him first, but he teaches us that tithing will increase our faith. Because when I give to God first, not when it's convenient, it takes faith. Well, as we close this morning, and I want to thank you for your attention. I believe God is calling us today to not just allow seeds of truth to germinate in our heart, but I believe God's calling us for a place of commitment, a time of decision. 
So I want to encourage you in your bulletin, uh, find a green card like this in your bulletin. Now, by pulling it out, you're not committing anything by just pulling it out, but, but, but find that card in your bulletin. If you can't find that card or you didn't get a bulletin, uh, just raise your hand and the ushers will bring a card to you. I want you to be able to read what's on here and what you choose to do with it. That's up to you, but just keep your hand up. We've got some up here to my right, uh, your left. Uh, make sure everybody gets a green card. As these are being passed out, I want you to look at yours. And here's what it says at the top. It says, first, what we do first impacts the rest. Church, this is not my idea. This is not Grace Point's idea, the Church of the Nazarene's idea. This is God's idea to put him first. And then some of these categories, it's not limited to this, but some of these categories that God's been teaching us through his word over the last month together, let's look at them. Imagine if we would make a commitment. We've got some more right up here in the middle aisle. I need some. Thank you. That first category, my time. Imagine if you would make a covenant with God today and you say, God, today I commit to use my time to get as close to Jesus as I can intentionally saying, I want to make sure that I don't have my time expire and look back and wish that I was spent more time in the written word and with the living word of God. I want to get as close to Jesus as I can. What if you would go on and make the next commitment? Today I commit to use my time to be a witness to those around me. Now if you get these out of order, it never works. If you try to use your time to witness to people, but you never get close to Jesus, you're doing it out of your own strength. Put God first. Well, what if you'd make a commitment and say, today, with my talent and work, I commit to seek to have the attitude of Jesus in all of my gifts and talents. I don't know how to do that. Just ask God. And when it's not right, he'll show you and you pray to have him show you again. Next, today I commit to use my gifts and talents and abilities to love and to serve others without grumbling it'd be a lot easier if we just moved that period back to i use my gifts and talents to love somebody as soon as i get in the car i'm going to complain about them to love to serve without complaining and then what if we make a commitment today and some of us god has been stirring our hearts over the last month what if you'd say today i commit with god's help to start tithing. I've never been a tither. I've never branched into this. And it can feel scary. But with God's help, I'm going to choose to start with the pie and cut out God's portion. And give it to him and say, God, I trust you. Help me to go the distance with the 90% that you've given for me to use, God. To invest in your kingdom in other ways. Some of us, we've already received the blessing of tithing. You say, today, I'm going to commit with God's help to continue to tithe. Pastor, I'm kind of halfway with you, but what's with this card? Like, there's a place for my name, and isn't this between me and God? You know, I I want to be sensitive. If that messes you up, I understand. You can do whatever God tells you to do. But why are we so bashful about being obedient? Why do we want to be so secretive about being obedient? This isn't going to be published anywhere. But I believe God is calling us, just like Jesus did in the New Testament. Every time he would call a disciple, he'd say, Come, follow me. Put feet to your faith. Leave the pattern you've been in and come to a new pattern. And this can be a tool for us today to say right here, right now, I'm choosing God to make a commitment with your help to put you first in my time, my talent, 
and my treasure and my money. And then a place for us to sign. God, I'm signing on the line. I'm printing on the line. I want you first. As our musicians come, I want to give you the first 30 or 40 seconds as they play a song and sing a song to prayerfully consider making a commitment to God today. And then after about 30 or 40 seconds, our ushers are to come forward. And this is not a time when the plates are passed for us to give money. This is an offering of obedience today. And I, like I said, this isn't published anywhere. This is an opportunity for you to make a vow right here in a physical, tangible way to say, God, I want to make a commitment to put you first in every circle of my life. If you want to do that right now, check the boxes that you're willing to commit to God and put your name. And as the plate goes by, say, God, I'm giving you this. I'm putting you first in these areas. Let's mind God and then I'll pray for us when we've had a time to respond. Let's obey him now as we hear this song together.